Now, there is a, a pretty well-known Christian author, and I, I don't know if you've ever read anything by him. His name is Philip Yancey. And Philip Yancey's written a number of really good books. And, and one of my favorite books that he wrote is called What's So Amazing About Grace? And uh, it's, a, it's, a great, it's, a, it's a great book, but in the, in the book he tells us one story that's a, it's a little bit disturbing. And, and he's dealing with the subject, ultimately, of sin. Now, whenever we talk about sin, we understand, I think, basically that, that all of us are guilty of it, but we sort of have this level of sin in our minds about what's serious sin and what's not so serious sin. But in the book, he tells a story about Jeffrey Dahmer. Now, uh, if, if, of course, if you're a little bit older, you remember the story of Jeffrey Dahmer. He's a man who went to prison for the murder of 17 boys. And uh, Philip Yancey said he and his friends were sitting around, they were talking about it, and they were, they said, you know, whenever you look at a, at a crime like that, when you look at sin that heinous, there is no way that, that God is going to let somebody get away with that. I mean, that, there comes a time when a person like that, they have moved beyond the pale. I mean, there is no way that they can be redeemed and restored. That's so horrible. So they were telling the story, so we're sitting around, we're talking about it, and he said uh, Dahmer, of course, he was killed in prison in 1994. Now, whenever that happened, uh, before that happened, they did an interview with Dahmer. You know, I'm not trying to be morbid or anything, but I found it fascinating. And they did this interview with Dahmer, and, and Dahmer said that, uh, they asked him, they said, how could you do something like this? And he said, well, at the time when I, when I did all of these things, he said, I did, I did not believe in God. And he said, therefore, since there is no God, he said, I don't feel like, I did not feel like I was accountable to anyone. Therefore, I can do whatever I want. Now, I believe that is one of the dangers that we run into whenever we live life as though we think there is no God. You can do whatever you want to do. So that was, that was his take on it. Now, after he died, they interviewed the chaplain of the prison, and this is where everybody's mind was, I mean, it was blown the chaplain said when Dahmer came into prison after a period of time, he said Dahmer confessed his sins and became a follower of Jesus. He said he was baptized in our prison. He said in our prison, he became one of the most faithful Christians that we had ever seen. Okay, I don't know about y'all, but I look at that and I think, okay, mind blown. I don't even know what to say about that. And Yancey said they sat around, and he said the, the discussion became, is there ever a time when somebody's sin moves beyond the boundaries even of God, where God cannot redeem them, where God cannot restore them because of what they have done? Now, now forgiveness is it's not really what we're going to be talking about today, but it's such an important subject because we all, we all know that in our lives there are times when we are in desperate need of forgiveness. And whenever you don't receive forgiveness from somebody that you've wronged, it can be crushing to you. And so, and so the question is, well, is there, is there ever a time when I can move beyond even the forgiveness of God? That's something that's beyond God's grace. And so that's why we're going to look in John chapter 8 today. We're going to look in the first 11 verses. And as we look at that, just a little bit of background information, pretty typical stuff. We know this about Jesus at this time. Jesus was very popular, and then he was also unpopular. Now, he was very popular with just like, you know, like regular people. 
regular people loved Jesus. I mean, he was, you know, he would come out with the people. He would hang out with the people. He enjoyed being with the people. I mean, you can read through the Gospels. You see this about Jesus. But he was unpopular with religious leaders. You know, people like me. And so you have to think, well, what's, what's up with that? Why, why was, was he unpopular with the religious leaders? Well, it's because they looked at Jesus and they saw who he was hanging out with. I mean, he was hanging out with, he was hanging out basically with the riffraff of society. I mean, people that were lawbreakers, people that were sinners. And, and they would look at that and say, how in the world could Jesus do something like this? And so in our text today, we're going to see that the religious leaders, they wanted to kind of get a feel for where Jesus was on the issue of sin. And I believe as we look at this passage of Scripture, and there's a lot of different angles you can take in looking at this Scripture, but what I want us to see today as we look at this Scripture are the lessons that Jesus teaches about sin. Now, now what are the lessons that Jesus teaches us about sin? And, and I think there's a, a few of them, but we're going to look at the first one here. The first lesson we ought to learn, all learn about sin is this. Your sin will eventually be brought to light. Every one of us are going to, we're going to have a day when the sin that we have in our lives, it's going to be exposed for what it is. And, and we see this in our text. And whenever I read this, you're going to be, many of you are going to be familiar with this story. If you start with me in verse number one, it says, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives and at dawn the next morning, he went to the temple complex, just right across the valley. And it says, and again, all the people were coming to him and he sat down and he began to teach them. And then the scribes and the Pharisees, the religious leaders, they brought a woman caught in adultery and they made her stand in the center. Teacher, they said to him, this woman was caught in the act of committing adultery. Now, what had happened is that these religious leaders, they found this woman, they caught her in the act of adultery. They bring her before Jesus they say, this is a lady that has obviously sinned. Now, what are you going to do about it? What kind of stand are you going to take on sin? Now, the fact of the matter is the Bible is very clear about sin. It lets us know that every one of us has committed it. Every one of us in this room right now, we are all guilty. Romans 3.23 tells us, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So then that begs the question, what's sin? You know, what exactly is sin? I think we'd all be pretty quick to say, well, I know what sin is. Sin, Jeffrey Dahmer, sin. Committed murder. Adolf Hitler, that is a guy. We all know who is a sinner. We all know this. So sin, sin is anything that that goes outside of God's commands, that goes outside the boundaries for which God has set up for us. And, and it's pretty obvious to us, you know, we, we call them big sins. And we look at the big sins and we go, that is what sin is. I'm good at identifying the sins that I've not committed. I'm real good at that. I mean, I can look at somebody and say, yeah, that guy's sinning. And how do you know he's sinning? Well, he's doing stuff I've never done before, so I feel really good about calling that sin out. So that's, that's what sin is. Now, have, have you ever, though, dealt with people who are, they're just never, they're never wrong about anything? Have y'all ever dealt with people like that? My wife has. That'd be me. 
And so there's some people that are they're just never wrong. They're always right. Now, if you are ever around people like that for a long period of time, aren't they a joy to be with? Never wrong, never guilty. They can tell you when you're wrong, but, you know, they, they've never done anything wrong. Now, even if you catch them doing something wrong, somehow they have the ability to weasel their way out of it. Well, it really wasn't my fault. It was somebody else's fault. And that's always frustrating whenever you get around people like that. Well, in, in our text, what we see is Jesus is teaching near the temple and a group of religious leaders, they drag this woman in front of Jesus and they say, here is a woman, she has committed a big sin, adultery. We all know that that's not good. She's committed a very big sin. So Jesus, what do you have to say about that one? You know, I think sometimes we we feel the same. We see big sins. What's going to happen with those big sins? Now, you know, here's a lesson that I learned with this. So here's a woman. She's caught in the very act, and she's brought before God and all of creation. And it's a reminder to me, and I believe Jesus is pointing this out in our text. When we sin, we need to understand this. Eventually, sin is exposed. It's always brought to light. Hebrews 4.13 says this is true before God. God. You think, sometimes I think I can hide my sin. I will never, ever be able to hide my sin from God. He will expose it for what it is every time. Hebrews 4.13 says, nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Okay, now just sort of let those words sink in a little bit. If you let those words sink in, it says there is nothing that is hidden from God's sight. Everything about us is is laid bare and uncovered before God. Now, he's not just talking about some random guy out there. You know who that scripture is meant for? You and me. And that, that makes a little bit, I mean, I don't know about y'all, that makes me a little bit nervous. Matter of fact, when it says that we are laid bare and uncovered, that is an act, it's a wrestling term. It's speaking of a wrestler. He has his opponent basically like in a full Nelson. And he's got him to a place where he can't move. In other words, when it comes to sin, when we stand before God, we are not going to be able to get out of the hold of God. He's going to look at us and he's going to know us intimately and who we are and what we've done. I don't know about you, that gets my attention. There is nothing I can hide from God. Eventually, I will be exposed for who I am and what I've done. This lady, well, she was exposed. Can you even imagine? I mean, they drag her out. I'm sure they just like threw a robe on her. They drag her out. She's in front of a huge crowd. She's in front of Jesus himself, and her sin's exposed. Now, they did this in order to trap Jesus on the issue of sin. Say, Jesus, how are you going to handle sin? Now, I look at this lady, and I, I just automatically, I have some sort of sympathy for her. And I just think, man, if she just would have, you know, if she just would have hidden better. You know, if she would have locked the door. You know, if she had been more careful, then she would have never been caught. But, but here's the deal. If, if our sin is not exposed, then it can never be dealt with. You know, God doesn't want to expose our sin in order to humiliate us, he wants to expose our sin in order to have the ability to heal us. 
It's true for this lady. It's true for you. Yet too many times we, we tried to hide that sin. I'd say it's a sickness. We try to hide our sickness. You know, every Sunday whenever I come to the church, and, you know, I, I like to shake hands. I like to, to see people. But, you know, whenever you see people, I, I'm, just, I'm always a little bit, you know, kind of germ-weary. A little bit, I'm not a germaphobe, just a little germ-weary. And I see people come in, and they're like, they you know, sneeze or they cough into their hands. And, you know, their eyes are watering. And they're like, oh, don't worry, I'm not contagious. I, I just have, you know, I just have allergies. And I'm like, yeah, who made you a doctor? I'm like, do you really know that? And Because in my mind, I'm thinking, this guy's got Ebola. And he's trying to touch me. And so I, I don't think it would be very pastoral of me to be wearing plastic gloves walking around going, hey, welcome, and a mask. And so I, you know, I just have this, uh, you know, I just sort of have this, this weird fear about people who self-diagnose. And I'm thinking, you need to go to a doctor. Now, a lot of us do that. We feel like if I don't go to the doctor, then it means that I'm not sick. Well, that, that's what we're doing is we're just simply living in denial. You can't be treated for sickness unless you go to the doctor to expose your sickness so they can treat it. That's, that's what Jesus is doing here. He wants to bring our sin to light so then that he can treat it. Because if our sin is not treated, guys, let me tell you something, we're going to be crushed by the weight of sin. That's why, that's why 1 John 1, 9 tells us, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So Jesus is teaching us a lesson about sin. First of all, he wants us to understand this. Eventually, our sin is going to be brought to light. That's true for all of us. It's not because he's mean. It's because God wants to expose it in order to be able to deal with it. But here's a second lesson to learn about sin. And that is this, that that we need to understand this. Sin carries with it a, a cost. Matter of fact, it's a heavy cost. Now look with me in verse number, let's see, verse number five. In verse 5, they brought this woman before Jesus, and they say, In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. And then they say, So Jesus, what do you say? And then you go down to verse number 7. It says, And they persisted in questioning him. And Jesus stood up and said to them, The one without sin among you should be the first to throw a stone at her. And then he stooped down and continued writing on the ground. This is Jesus. Now, we don't know what he was writing But it says, when they heard what Jesus said, they began to leave one by one, starting with the older men. Only Jesus was left with the woman in the center. Now, to me, when we we talk about, you know, the the religious leaders are upset about, we're upset with Jesus because it seems like that, you know, they have these rules and regulations. The rules and regulations, guys. And then all of a sudden they have this woman and, and Jesus is, you know, he's letting the, it seems like he's letting everything slide with this woman. And they're getting frustrated. And I'm, I'm trying to, whenever I'm reading this, I'm trying to put myself in their shoes. And whenever I do that, I, I, I begin to understand, it's like, you know, there's some parts of me that are sympathetic with the religious leaders of the day. And, and the reason why is because Jesus is sort of throwing their system of justice into chaos, Remember, you remember who Jesus, if you read through the Gospels and you look and see who Jesus is hanging out with, the people he's ministering to, it's really weird. Yeah, He's hanging out with, we'd say, the riffraff of society. Yeah, he's, hanging, he's hanging out with you know, people from Blackwood. You know, I mean, you have the riffraff. He's, he's hanging out with, he's hanging out with uh, people who are living on the edge. He's with, he, he eats with prostitutes. He's hanging out with tax collectors that everybody hates and they can't stand. And so the religious leaders of the day, they're looking at Jesus saying, 
what, what's going on? You know, and I look at our, our world today, and I think, what is going on in our world today? You know, it's a, I, I'm a, you know, I feel like I'm a justice guy. I want justice. And I see people who flagrantly break laws, and it seems like that there's, they're not held to account for it, and I become angry and frustrated about it. And if you point out wrongdoing, then you're considered to be unkind and unsympathetic. I mean, this is where I'm like, this world's gone mad. Now, in a sense, I think this is how the religious leaders felt. They look at Jesus, he's really popular, and then he's, he's hanging out with rule breakers. And, and what's he doing? He's offering these rule breakers a bunch of hope. And so they're just, their whole world is thrown upside down. Now, this woman broke rules. She had messed up. She deserved to pay a price for what she had done. And the Bible even says sin carries with it a heavy cost. And they brought this up to Jesus. They said to him, Jesus is in the law. Moses commanded us to stone such women who are caught in adultery. And then they say, now what do you have to say about that? That's a severe penalty. She's committed a sin. She should be stoned to death. Now, I understand this strain of thought. I'll just be honest with you, because here's the deal. In, in some sense, I'm a rules and regulations person. You, you break the law, you mess up, there are consequences, right? Would y'all, would y'all, do you all agree with that? You mess up, there's consequences. Okay, just to let y'all know, you're, you're with me. We're, and this is, there's some sense of this with the Pharisees. This lady broke the law. Jesus, we need to kill her. Okay, now I look at that. Now, that, now that's severe, but I, I can I get that. I, mean, I, I look at you know I look at like you know like a Jeffrey Dahmer or somebody like that, and I'm like, yep, I get that. I'm all I am for that. The Bible says this, Romans six twenty three: the wages of sin is death. You know, everybody can rally against the big sins, you know, and especially the ones that we're not guilty of. But Jesus wanted to teach a lesson here. Now, what's the lesson he wants to teach? He wants us to understand that all sin carries with it a heavy penalty. Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. Now, notice it does not say the wages of adultery is death. It does not say the wages of murder is death. The wages of offending you is death. It says the wages of sin. Now, what sin is he talking about here? He's talking about all sin. Y'all understand, all sin carries with it a huge cost. Remember that word sin, it means to miss the mark. We, we talked about that last week. And it's a picture of an archer shooting at a target. It's God's standard for our lives. And every one of us, we, we shoot for that target, but we all miss. Now, like I said last week, you can miss by this much or you can miss by this much. If you watch the Olympics, if you all watch like the biathletes, they're skiing and they shoot at the target, they didn't give them points by saying, he barely missed. I mean, you miss, you just miss. That's how it is with God. You miss in sin, whether this much or this much, it's a miss is a miss. You know, an example of this to me is when I was a kid, I, I loved Evil Knievel. And he's like, well, I, I had, um, I, in the first service, I called it a doll, I, action figure. It's much more masculine. I had, a, I had an action figure, Evil Knievel. I bet you some of it had it too. He had that white suit on with the little, you know, like the stars and stripes right here. Had the helmet. You could take it on and off. Had a motorcycle. And you'd set him on this little red 
a thing, and you'd crank up the motorcycle, and then it'd take off, and you had a little ramp that you could jump on. I, that thing was, oh, I wish I still had that toy. Awesome toy. Now, and the thing that was great about it was um, I used to, I loved it on Worldwide of Sports. They would have Evil Knievel on. And, you know, there'd be those times when, you know, he would try to jump the bus, you know, like 20, can he jump 20 buses? And, or, you know, can he jump over the flaming wall? But there's one in particular that, uh, that stands out in my mind. It was a snake, uh, snake River Canyon jump. Any of y'all remember that one? Yeah, okay. So, I mean, I mean, I'm like jacked up for that. You can actually YouTube it and watch it again. Couldn't wait. He's in a rocket. Not his motorcycle. It's a rocket. And so he's out there, Snake Canyon. He's gonna try to, he's gonna try to fly over it. And if you, if you watch that again, y'all, it is so anticlimactic. Because you're so excited for it, and he takes off, he goes down that ramp, and, and it, it, he got, his rocket ship goes straight up in the air and, and straight down. He barely makes it into the river. I mean, he crashes. Now, here's the deal. I mean, it would have been much more exciting if he had at least gotten close. He, didn't, he, didn't get, he missed it by a mile. But, you know, even if he would have missed it by three inches or by a mile, a miss is still a miss. Not, and so I look at the woman in our text. This lady, I mean, you have to give her credit. She missed, I and mean, she decided to go ahead and miss big. She broke God's standard for marriage. She committed adultery, and the penalty was severe. But Jesus is teaching a lesson. The penalty for sin is severe, whether it's a big sin or a small sin. And so these men, they wanted to judge the big sin. So Moses says, we're supposed to stone her to death. What do you have to say, Jesus? Well, Jesus has a great answer. And what he tells them is very simply, if you're without sin, then you cast the stone. Because big sins and little sins all carry the same judgment. Death. Separation from God. Now, I look at that and I think, well, if we are all guilty, then just stick a fork in me. Because I'm done. I don't stand a chance. I don't have any hope. And that's, I really believe that Jesus is teaching us. That's, that's the point we need to come to in our lives. We recognize we don't have any hope. And Jesus points out to us, eventually all of our sin, it's going to be brought before God. It's going to be exposed, to be brought to light. He wants us to understand that sin carries with it a heavy cost. We need to get to that point where we understand that sin is serious. Big or, in our minds, small. But then we come to this last point, the final lesson Jesus teaches, and that is this. That the cost of sin, the cost of your sin, can be erased. The cost of your sin can run into the grace of God, and it will make you different forever. And we see this in our story. If you look in verse number 6, it says the religious leaders, they asked Jesus' this question to trap him in order that they might have evidence to accuse him. And Jesus stooped down and started writing on the ground with his finger. And when they persisted in questioning him, he stood up and said to them, the one without sin among you should be the first to throw a stone at her. Then he stooped down again and continued writing. I wish I knew what he was writing. It says, and when they heard this, they left one by one, starting with the older men. And only he was left with the woman in the center. Now here's the key. And when Jesus stood up, he said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, Lord, she answered. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Here's important words here. He says, Go and from now on do not sin anymore. Now, have you ever 
done things before in your life where something that you really found valuable, that you liked a lot, that you damaged it, and then you tried to fix it, but it was just never quite the same again. You know, he's like, man, I really like that, but I, I messed it up, so I'm trying to fix it, but it's it's just, even though I tried to fix it, it's not, it's just not like it should be. Um, whenever Emily and I first got married, her brothers, Emily has two younger brothers, and they're, uh, they were a little bit crazy, and so they, their parents had just bought a new car, and so they took it out, and they somehow, the battery died, and they tried to fix the battery, and they jumped it wrong, and the battery exploded. It's a brand new car, battery acid went all over the hood of the car, so they had a brilliant plan, uh, which was that we're going to get a paint job on this thing and they'll never know. So they got this cheap paint job, looked good for about, you know, like three weeks, and then it began to fade. And the the acid damage began to show up. Now, I tried to cover it up. They did a pretty good job for about three three weeks, but the scars were too deep where they could not, they could not cover it up. Now, I say this because here's what I believe. I believe there's a lot of us who are sort of like that. You know, I know people who there are things that they have done in, in, in high school. This is crazy to me. High school, college, and, and now they are, they're middle-aged now, and they are still haunted by those things that they did in high school and college, and the scars are still deep. They're still there, and they, and they try to cover it up. You know, they try to cover it up by getting involved in organizations, social or charitable organizations. I try to cover it up by, by you know, wearing nicer clothes and, and, and thinking, well, this makes me legitimate. But they just can't quite get rid of their past and their chart. Okay, that's the woman in our text. She is messed up with sin, and she tries, she's trying to do, she's trying to think, how can I hide this? And man, even if Jesus lets her go here and just says, hey, just get on out of here, that this lady's damaged goods. She's not going to get married. I mean, she's been humiliated in front of everybody. She's not going to get married. It's going to be hard for her to find a husband. Nobody's going to want to hang out with this lady. They know that she is, you know, she's got the scarlet letter on now. But Jesus tells her something very important. And in verse number 11, he says, Neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, do not sin anymore. Now, was he saying that because he was just like, your sin's not really that big of a deal? No, 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 that's not what he's doing. What he was doing is he was putting himself, he was putting his cross, his payment of sin between her and her sin, that she might discover freedom. Now, I think too many of us, we are trying to hide our sin when we need our sin to be exposed and say, oh, Jesus, I am sick. Heal me. Jesus, I have scars that are deep, and I've tried to cover them up, but I cannot do it. I'm going to tell you something. You can try to cover it up the best you can. You'll never be able to do it. Only Jesus can do that. That's why 2 Corinthians 5.17 is so important. It says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone. Behold, the new has come. You need some newness in your life? Jesus teaches lessons on sin that are very important. We're all infected with it. And we need to know eventually our sin is going to be exposed for what it is. It's going to come to light. And our sin, whether it's big or small, it carries with it a heavy cost. But the good news Jesus wants to teach about sin is that the cost of your sin can be erased because of the atoning sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. So today I invite you to find freedom. It could be that some of you are wondering if Jesus could forgive and change a life like yours. 
here's what I want you to see. I hope that you will see that there is nothing that will ever put you beyond the grace and the reach of Jesus. Now, this is this mind-blowing. That's true for Jeffrey Dahmer. It's true for you. That God's grace and mercy and power is bigger than any scar and sin that you might have in your life. Now, are you ready to be changed? Could be some of you might just simply need to call out to God and tell Him, say, Jesus, change me. Could be some of you just simply need to call out to Him in prayer and say, Jesus, forgive me. Jesus, heal me. I believe in you. And like Jesus said to the woman who was brought before him, he will very simply say, I do not condemn you. Go, and from now on, do not sin anymore. Do that today. Now, there could be others of you, and you're already followers of Jesus, but maybe your your conscience, your spirit has been pricked like mine was when I read this, and I thought, you know what? I identify more with the Pharisees than I do with Jesus. God, forgive me. God, forgive me for being judgmental where I am condemning. I'm putting myself in the place of God and I am condemning people. God, forgive me. God, and I pray this for me. God, I pray that I will have a heart for people so that they will see through my life and my speech that they are never beyond the grace of Jesus. Our world needs the grace of Jesus. And you and I, are his messengers. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you, Jesus, for, for your grace. God, I thank you, you, thank you that you're very honest about sin. It is not something to be trifled with. Lord, it carries with it huge consequences. But God, there is healing in your hands when we surrender ourselves and our lives to you. There is healing that comes with you. Jesus, I pray that you will help us to be a body of believers that will share the forgiveness of Jesus with others, that their lives might be transformed. And I pray this in Christ's name. Amen.